Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey there, it's Brian. Welcome back to another episode of the W-2 prison break show. I hope you're having a great day so far. It's only going to get better, right? We got a great guest today. We got a great guest today. I'm really excited about this guy. I've known him. I've been on his podcast and he is going to share some tremendous insight. I normally don't like give a background on guests, but I want to give a little bit of a background on Josh. His name is Josh Wilson. He's done a lot. He's done a lot in his life. We're going to talk more about what he's doing now versus what he's accomplished because that's the super important part. But this guy has wrestled alligators. He's fought fires, delivered babies, saved lives, built and sold companies. He's in real estate. He's had like 10 to 12 podcasts. He's interviewed over a thousand entrepreneurs and CEOs. I mean, he's done a lot, right? But what you're really going to hear, what you're really going to learn today is his purpose, his belief system, and who he is, right? And who he's trying to help and who he's trying to serve. And he's really opening up here. He's being super vulnerable with his life. And I think a lot of men in particular are going to benefit from this message. So if you know someone, if you know a man who might be struggling in their life, they're not sure, they hate their job, they're just in a stuck position and they don't know where to go. And maybe they're really, really struggling. This is an episode that they need to hear. So please share it with them. And without further delay, we're going to get straight to the episode. Josh, welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, man. So glad to have you on. Boom. Breaking free, brother. Let's do it. That's right. We're going to help some people today. We were chatting a little bit offline. I got a bunch of questions for you. But tell me about, you've done a bunch, right? You've had a lot of businesses. You've started a bunch of podcasts. You have several podcasts going on. What was your first W2 job? Oh, first actual W2 job. So my dad probably didn't claim me growing up. So I grew up on a construction site slinging hammers and you know digging footholds and footers and crap like that first actual w2 where i was reported to the irs oh man great question maybe it was selling shoes in high school at the place called the athlete's foot which sounds gross right (laughs) athlete's foot that was my first real job i think nice i almost jumped you there i don't even think that's around anymore i remember that story the athlete's foot and i think it's i'm pretty sure it's gone now Okay. We're not going to go through your W-2 history here, but what was the first business that you started? Hold on. Do you work for the IRS, Brian? I know that they just (laughs) hired like 88,000 people or something like that. I definitely Uh, do not. (laughs) The first business I had, like it was, I was as a kid in middle school. I grew up in a time where in construction, the times were tough. And if I wanted ice cream and shoes, I had to go earn my own money. So I was just always selling stuff. So I would go to Winn-Dixie down the street and I'd buy Bubblicious Bubblegum. And I would sell it for 25 cents a piece until the competition came. And then I had to go two for 25, right? But I would walk around, you know, 225 a pack I'd make. And every day I'd walk home with three, 50, six bucks in my pocket, 
you know, so that was my first business. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I remember that doesn't sound that. impressive, did it? Right. It wasn't like first thing I did was build a trillion homes or something. No, selling bubblegum. Selling bubblegum, making money though, figuring yeah. out a way to make money. We had like a local farm store. I grew up in Florida too, which I remember when Dixie as well. But I used to go in and buy candy, like by the truckload. And the guy finally said one day, he's like, hey, I'm not selling this to you anymore. I'm like, what do you care? Because he knew what I was doing. So my supplier cut me off. Yeah. Yeah. You had to go to the source, man. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. All right. So what was your first like biz, yeah. like your entrepreneur deal? Like you're in it, right? Sure. Yeah. So I hated working for dad best buddies and such, but he was just very difficult to work with. And I wanted to break free. And my thinking was this, my dad was good at building stuff, really good at construction, you know, sitting up on a roof in Florida, doing roofing and such. And I saw this lady drive up in this big Escalade, throw a sign in the front yard, drive off and was like, peace. And I was like, what is she doing? And we were building it. She was selling it. And she was driving a much better vehicle than me. So the first real business I got into is I became a real estate agent. And my thought was my dad could build it. I could sell it. Mm. And then I started putting together, like I read the book. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But then Robert Allen, Carlton Sheets, I bought the binder thing. So the first business, right? I was doing real estate as a profession. The first business is I started wholesaling kind of on the side. So that was kind of the first business and then got me into real estate. Got it. You're still doing real estate today, right? I am freaking 20 something years later. I try to run from it many times, but here I am again. Amazing. Like what level of involvement are you in your real estate business? Like talk about that a little bit because a lot of people get yeah. stuck working in their business as a W-2 employee. Oh man, great question. I do not like dealing with tenants. I do not like dealing with toilets. I do not like dealing with you know those kind of phone calls. I've got three kids 10, 5, and 3. And when I go home from work, I like it kind of to work to stay there. Sometimes it follows me home. but So I like working in commercial. I like syndicating deals where I just kind of put deals together through podcasting, through my PR company, and then get the heck out of the way. So my involvement mostly is connections, strategic relationships, referrals, advisory, and then Josh needs to get out of there or he's going to mess up the deal. Got it. You know what your strengths are. You know your lane. And you just talked about something that's super important, which is purpose. So yeah. talk about what that means, what that word means for you. Yeah. I got this tattooed on my arm. It says, who am I? And I remember a time where one of my first real W-2 jobs, right? Like I've had so many different jobs in my life, many career changes, many different pivots, trying to find out like, what's my fit? Like, where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed to do with my life and such? Because I think that's in the heart of a man is to like find the joy in his work. And I just couldn't find it anywhere. And I've done many different things. And I found myself, I was working W-2 wise for the government as a firefighter medic. <laughs> and I was working full-time as a firefighter medic. I was on the pension board, like looking at the numbers, which were scary. And then I ran a landscaping company and I taught defensive tactics at night at the college and I taught paramedics. So I was working my ass off. Yeah. And then I just was working, 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 working. And these ideas came up for a business that I should build, right? So Josh went off, retired early, cashed out my pension, took the pension, applied it to the business, and it failed big time. So I set that up because I had the most stable job you can get, you know, working for the government and such like that. And I went all in for entrepreneurship. So W2 to founder of a tech company, and I knew nothing about tech. When that failed and I lost all my pension and I couldn't get a job and I couldn't make ends meet, I found myself standing on a bridge thinking of jumping because I felt worthless because I couldn't produce. 
here I was, I have degrees. I have a lot of degrees. I have a lot of schooling. I have a lot of certificates and paramedic and this and that. And I went to school for all these things and I couldn't produce and I couldn't pay for baby formula for our new baby. Purpose comes up a lot to me because I was like, what the F am I doing with my life? And that kind of started my journey on trying to find out like, my fit in this world? What's my place in this world? What am I here for? I started asking the questions. I wanted to kill myself because I felt worthless. So through a lot of struggles and coaching and work and reading books and a lot of trial and error, I kind of figured out who I was, my strengths and my purpose on this earth. So like now it brings me great joy independent of what the bank account shows. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Was not expecting to hear that. I appreciate <laughs> your vulnerability. No, this is good. People need to hear this stuff, Josh. They yeah. really do. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, that not everybody just has this meteoric rise to success, right? Like there's real pain and struggle in the world and people go through stuff, right? And it's important to share that message because someone listening, maybe they're listening, maybe you could relate to that. So that's why we do what we do, right? Yeah, absolutely. These kind of conversations, what I love about this and the questions that you're asking is there's someone out there in the audience, they're going through it right this minute. And they're thinking of that swan diving off, or they're thinking about retiring from the military or leaving the corporate job and cutting the handcuffs. And, you know, like the gurus on TV could say, like, yeah, it's, you know, peaches and cream, you know, and everything's awesome. I think it's a good idea to understand the full journey of what it could be. And is it worth it? Yeah, I agree. You know, we talk a lot about, and I'm guilty of it too. And you you go on social media, I mean, the whole world's amazing and wonderful, and everybody's (laughs) super happy, right? Which is bad. I think it's bad to do that. But, like you said, these type of conversations are healthy. I mean, I went to my wife this morning and you know, I'm a business owner. I've, I've been out of my job for three years. And I said, man, I'm just not feeling it this week. Like I got this, this, this going on. I kind of was having like the pity party moment and it felt better after I told her that because I'd been kind of, I know you know this, but as men, we tend to like shove it all down, right? Yeah. We don't share it. We don't tell it. There's something yeah. about that. I don't know what it is. We feel like we got to hide stuff and everything's got to be perfect all the time. So, I mean, I don't know if you have any insight oh, we, there. We shove it down because that growing up as kids, we're like, hey, rub some dirt on it, toughen up, push through. You know, like in our mind, we go, here's what a woman wants in a man. They want strong, fortitude, whatever. And what I found is I was trying to do that too. And my dad was Vietnam vet, badass dude. And, you know, I was a wrestler and fighter. And I, at one point I wrestled alligators professionally. So I was a tough dude and I didn't want to share some of the concerns or the fears I had with my wife because I didn't want her to lose faith in me. I didn't want her to be like, I'm married to a wuss. So like shove those things down and then I pour booze on top of it or I smoke it over or like I hide it with, you know, I eat too much or I overwork. My identity is so wrapped up in what people think of me and my job title or whatever. Yeah. So I never talk about it. And then I started going to coaching and therapy and counseling and all this stuff. And I started talking to my wife about it. And what I found is she started really relating with me and we started becoming more intimate together. I thought I start sharing like my feelings with her and then she'd be like, peace out. I'm gone. I want to marry, you know, this guy over here who's badass and tough. That's not what she wanted. She wanted to know me. So huge paradigm shift for you fellas out there listening in. There's times where she goes, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) You know, like you chose this world. You chose entrepreneurship, Josh. I'm like, I don't know if I chose it or it chose me, but whatever I'm in, I choose it every day. But sometimes she goes, suck it up, buttercup. And that's healthy for me too. But yeah, I agree with you, man. Like we shove it down and we need places to let it go because if not, we're going to wind up blowing up at our kids. We're going to drink too much, eat too much, whatever. And we're going to try to find the peace in between our ears. 
it's hard to find if you're shoving it down. Yeah. Well, what a great share. So awesome. I couldn't agree more because I did that my whole life. And my dad, we're aligned in a lot of ways. I watched my dad, you know, never show emotion ever. And then his dad was even worse. And, you know, again, nothing wrong with them. That's their download. That's what they saw. Yeah. We have a duty to be better. You know, I wanted to be better for my son. So I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. We're going to talk about it. And yeah, same thing happened to me. When I started to open up to my wife, the intimacy was great. I mean, and, and we know what we're talking about with intimacy. It's just the relationship that you have with her. And it's been nothing short of tremendous. So I hope that everyone listening really, truly hears that, understands that we think we know what women want, but that's really what they want. <laughs> yeah, I think so, man. I think so. I'm 41 years old and I'm learning this stuff and I'm thankful because I see some old dudes out there. You know, I've interviewed over a thousand people and I've seen people who I'm doing air quotes for you guys listening in. I don't know if they're going to watch this on YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you produce it, but uh, air quotes, you know, success. And I've interviewed a lot of lonely people money in the bank, cars in the thing, but nobody's sitting in the passenger seat. Is that success? I don't think so. Like not for me. I'd rather yeah. beat her with a you know hot mom and sit next to me. My wife's hot. That's what I want. You know? So nice. that's how I feel about it, man. But we gotta see what how we measure our own successes, right? Totally. And yes, they will see your air quotes on YouTube. We do broadcast it on YouTube, but I should have so wore pants. Then I'm sorry. I mean, next time, I'll, next time I'll warn you, folks, cover your eyes. <laughs> all right. So the actual successful people admit that have admitted that to you. Like, hey, I got all this money, but I'm not happy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with the podcasting world or YouTube world. I built, you know, maybe 10 or so podcast shows produced maybe close to 1500 episodes over the years doing this. I sold a podcast show once and here's what happens sometimes. I've interviewed another air quote gurus out there. And we're jamming and we're having a great time. And I'm like, man, this guy's impressive, right? Like I'm ready to buy their program. Mm -hmm. Hit stop recording. And then they start asking me for money. And they're like, hey, man, I'm really struggling. Can you connect me with so? So I was just like, wait a second. I thought you were a baller. And now you're asking me for help. And so like, I don't get it. And then I just saw like a lot of smoke and mirrors in the industry because like we're trained in social media to show you just the good stuff. And when times are tough, they're thinking, how can I sell my coaching program? If I'm struggling financially, some of the best deals I've ever done was when I was struggling financially. And I told the person, I'm like, Hey, I'm willing to give you this great deal because I need to make money because my kid needs to eat. You know? Hey there, back to the episode in just a moment. Are you a homeowner in the Chicagoland area who's struggling to sell your home or even own nothing and looking to maximize your price before the market slides? Are you tired of the traditional home selling process that takes months and costs you thousands in fees and repairs? Whether you're facing foreclosure, going through a divorce, or simply need to sell your home fast, WeBuyHousesChicago.org can help. We've been buying homes in Chicago since 2019, and we specialize in helping sellers who are stuck. Unlike traditional real estate buyers, we buy homes as is and can close in as little as seven days. No repairs, no inspections, and no fees. Just a fast, hassle-free sale. Let WeBuyHousesChicago.org help you sell your home and move on to the next phase of your life. Call or text us today at 312-500-6121. If you know someone who is struggling to sell their home or simply just wants top price, please share this message with them. As a listener of the W2 Prison Break Show, WeBuyHousesChicago.org will pay you for your referral. If you send us a referral and we buy their house, we will pay you a $1,000 referral fee. Simply have your referral mention the W-2 Prison Break Show. 
Let's get back to the show. That's interesting. And I promise you, I'm not going to ask you for money when we hit start recording. <laughs> I'll give it to you, man. Yeah, you're awesome. So what just resonated with me, I mean, that was a great share, but 10 to 12 podcasts, okay? A lot of people out there, I think, have ideas for podcasts, all right? So why 10 to 12? And then I'm dying to hear how you sold your podcast. I don't think most people understand that this is a commodity. This is a business, right? Or it can be if you treat it as such. Sure. Yeah. I tried hundreds of different business models. I built a show that went iTunes chop, top of charts and you know my picture was next to some famous people and my friends were like sending me like screenshots and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I went broke doing that. I tried many different things out trying to find my fit in this world. Like I said, I have it tattooed on my arm. Who am I? In the journey of trying to find out who I am, man, I tried so many different things. The first one I built was I built a fitness technology company my thought was I could interview my clients, talk to them about like, how did you lose 50 pounds this quarter? And how did you do this? And they became my sales tools. And they would tell me what they like about the program and what they didn't like. It was called the Village Push. I think it's still out there somewhere like the podcast, right? Yep. But so that was the first one. And then when that business failed, I started another one and then another. And then I did a strategic partnership and I stood up and I started doing it for other people and with other people and just kind of get people going. And what I found is I have a gift in terms of like, I have a crazy ass idea and I could launch something in a day or two, right? Like I could just run and I could start stuff. And a lot of people, they're afraid to start. So I started one. I had a corporate sponsor. I started it, did the intro, did the artwork, did the first episode, and then handed it off to an investor and he ran with it. Right? Like I didn't get a few money and I'm not living on a sailboat because of it, but it validated the idea that this is something valuable. The idea of being able to do this is valuable. Yeah. That's so good. And the lesson there is like, you've done 10 to 12, 10 to 12 shows. It's like, we got to try more than once. Totally. Right. Find your fit. Okay. So you've mentioned the tattoo a couple of times. Who am I? Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you, who are you? Yeah. So first of all, I'm a child of God, man. Like I believe everything, you know, bases into our belief systems. Our belief systems help create our values. What do we find valuable in this world? And then we create principles that drive the values. And then we, our actions line up with our principles. And that's the fruit we develop in our world. So who am I? It's got to start with my belief system. And I believe that my God is my heavenly father. I feel like my purpose here is to honor him and have a relationship with him. And then through that, who am I? If you look into tactically, Josh, who are you? I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a really good dude. Like I try to be, I help other guys. Like that's the core of what I love doing. And I do some real estate and podcasting on the side. Right. I love how that was the last thing you said. So, you know, you've got your families up there. Your faith is first and foremost, your family. Yeah. You're helping, you're serving other people. And then, yeah, hey, I do this other thing on the side. Yeah. To be honest, like sticks and bricks, you know, like real estate's been around for since cavemen were fighting over a piece of land or whatever. So it's like nothing really new and it's not very exciting. You know, like closing big deals are awesome. It's just a vehicle that I get to do what I'm made to do. I love yeah. helping people. I love working with visionaries and entrepreneurs and investors. And that's why I only work with investors, visionaries, entrepreneurs. Like, I don't do residential real estate for the reason is I don't care what color the house is. Will it make money, right? Like, I like investors because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah. You're very clear on what you want to do. And, you know, I just keep going back to that moment where you talked about where you were thinking about jumping. Now here you are. So good on you. Proud of you, man. And I love what you stand for. 
I want to ask you about your family a little bit too, because yeah. you're a dad, you know, a lot of the stuff that you put out there is about your family, which is totally. great. And what does your family mean to you? Oh my God. So as a dude, I found myself running and gunning in the name of family, like with good intent, working four in the morning, 12 o'clock at night, hustling, doing multiple jobs and such like that for the family, right? To produce, to provide and such like that. But really I was doing it to try to prove a point. I was trying to prove myself to the world. I was trying to prove myself to my dad or to even myself. When I realized a lot of this, I really looked at my family and I go, wow, I just moved my family cross country. One of my daughters is 10 years old and she's lived in like nine different homes. And I was chasing, 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 chasing. And really what I should have been chasing was my identity and purpose, right? And God, right? My belief systems, but my family chasing my bride. You know, like luckily I landed a woman who loves me, who loves God, who loves our family. Like I should be chasing her. I should be chasing my daughters. I should be chasing my son in the backyard with, you know, ninja sticks and having fun with him, right? Like, but I was chasing money or meaning or like, you know, you start to get followers, another air quote, followers on LinkedIn or YouTube subscribers or whatever. And then you start chasing more of that validation. Man, I should be chasing my family, dude, because they're the ones that are going to wipe my butt when I'm 90 years old or whatever. Like, that's my first gift and my mission. That's my priorities were way off. So what are they to me now? I'll burn everything else down in this world for them. Awesome. Yeah. At least today. That's how I feel At today. At least today. Right? <laughs> I love how you said prove yourself like you were proving yourself. And look, as men, I get it. Like we all feel like, hey, we got to provide for them. Like we got to be there. We got to make sure they're eating, right? But we also got to be there for them, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. And they don't care. Like my kid doesn't care how much money I have. Yeah, we think they, they do. Care. Yeah. We think they do, but honestly, they just want dad time. That's it. He just wants the attention. That's it. Yeah. And it's hard for us as men to let go of that, especially if we've been through like some of the like again, your dad was in Vietnam and you know, we're similar in age. And that's just they felt the same way. They I don't think they knew how to find that place inside of them, right? It's all there. Yeah. Man, so good. So good. Okay. Shifting gears a little bit. I want to know what a typical day looks like for you? <laughs> well, today was a total shit show because yeah. <laughs> a typical day looks like this. Like This is what a normal day looks like. Today was a little just weird because truck broke down yesterday. I have my dad's truck. So when dad passed away, I got the old diesel pickup truck, you know, like heavy duty Cummings engine. Like I'm going to drive that and one day give it to my son. Yeah. We have another car, but that's like my favorite thing in the world. And it broke down yesterday. Not my favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite vehicle I've ever had. So we had to work through repairs and crap. So that's what today looked like. But a typical day looks like this. Wake up super early, go try to work out, get some coffee in the system. I'm finding as I get older, I need to spend a lot more quiet time, me time, going for a run, exercise and whatever, then get the kids ready for school. I love typically either walk the kids to school or golf cart them to school and then go over to my office, which is right around the block. So I walk them to school, walk to my office, and then usually it's filled with meetings. Like from eight in the morning till five o'clock, it's me either coaching someone, me doing podcast interviews. I could do like two to three a day, coaching, advising, podcasting. That's pretty much it. Nice. Do you drive the golf cart to the office? <laughs> yeah, I drove it today. Our golf cart has a very unique name, Billy OT. That's the name of our golf cart. It's a pirate ship for us. Is that a thing? Do you name the gift to name the golf cart? You should, yeah. if they haven't. If other people haven't, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, you should <laughs> definitely name your golf cart. 
Oh man, you cracked me up. That's great. Okay. So there's a lot of similarities with successful people, right? It's like you dominate your morning, you take your time. You don't have like this four hour morning routine, which is ridiculous, but you do what you're supposed to do. Now on the days where you have, do you still have off days? Like, do you have bad days? Do you have days where you just, you know, maybe aren't feeling it? Like the one I talked about, maybe you want to quit. And how do you handle that? Yeah, dude, I have off days often, right? Like just life throws at Mm -hmm. you, you know, like my mom passed away in February. That threw an off year. My dad passed away in August of 2020. That threw me off for a few years. You know, I went bankrupt in 2020. That was an off day. I had to put my dog down. That was a bad day. I I had a vasectomy and then I had to wind up carrying my dad up and downstairs. That was a tough day. So like, yeah, I have bad days. And then, you know, like I wake up and see this client's not happy or this or that. That'll throw me off, man. But how do I deal with it? Like, this is how I prefer to deal with it is go, God's in control. He's my ultimate provider. I know that I'm on track. And I know I'm on track because when resistance is high, I know I'm heading in the right direction. So I try to look at it with optimism and go, where's the opportunity to learn and grow here? What do I need to release in my world? A lot of times it's like, Josh, you're a control freak. You need to get some of this shit off your plate. I try to reflect on why am I stressed out? I wrote this in my journal just yesterday. I do not like doing a few things, right? I write these things out. Get it off my plate. I don't care how much it costs. It's got to get off my plate because it's sucking my energy and my time, which is energy and time are like our most valuable resources. And it's sucking them out of me because I should be selling. I should be talking with people, putting deals together. So the way I do it is I try to reflect and then I try to find people who love doing that crap and then I give them money. (laughs) The thing that you said about, I don't like to do this. Everyone on this planet needs to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't like to do this and get it off your plate, right? Doesn't matter what it costs, right? Because that, like you said, sucking the time, sucking the energy. I don't think people do that enough. The men that you work with, because I know you help, I know you're a leader of men, you help men. Yeah. Everything you just said all goes back to your purpose, right? Your purpose and your identity and your belief system and your principles. Yeah. Is that what's lacking with the men that you interact with or that you're trying to help? Most guys come to me and they go, Josh, I'm thinking about whatever, and I'm struggling. They're looking at the current situation. They're going, I'm not happy, and I'm thinking about doing this. Hey, Josh, you've had a lot of failures in your life, and you talk a lot about them. Like, What should I be paying attention to here or whatever? And then when I really dig into it, they're not happy because they haven't found the joy in their work. They haven't found who they are as a dude, right? Like, There's just something missing, and they didn't have a guy to look at them and go, hey, Brian, I'm proud of you. What you're doing over here, though, this is stupid as hell. Stop doing this. Maybe do something like this. Have you considered that? Because most of us guys, we won't look at another person and say, hey, man, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. Hey, you're really good at that. Hey, Brian, you really suck at that. We don't get that kind of feedback and we don't get those kind of conversations. So like, when I talk to dudes, like I talk to my investors and my friends and such, and I'm like, hey, man, I love you. And they're like, that's a little weird. (laughs) <laughs> right? I'm like, you're human. You know, like, I love you because you're human and like, I'm supposed to. And I like people. So, yeah, I think the most time people, guys, they just don't know who they are. They really don't. Great share again. And yeah, I don't think I used to tell guys I loved them unless I, you know, had one too many, but I, I, <laughs> I do it you, now man. open. Yeah, I do it now openly just because yeah. it's different right now. Right. Yeah. I've gotten to that place inside of me. But one of the things I've always struggled with and maybe, you have some insight here is I always felt like if I was going to do anything, 
it didn't matter what it was, like this podcast or my own business or drive around the block, right? It always had to be perfect. Yeah. Like I always had to do it better than anyone else, right? For sure. I know a lot of that mentality prevented me from doing stuff, prevented me from doing stuff. Do you have any comments there? I know you do. Yeah. Shameless plug. I wrote a book called The Christian Dude Manifesto, right? Super theologically like structured book, right? No, it's a book about like my struggles, my belief systems and such like that. It's Christian Dude. You could buy it on Amazon. I felt the same way. I had a dad who was a perfectionist. You know, he could paint a straight line. I can't. I get paint everywhere and I break walls and I break things, you know, like I'm the visionary, right? So like I had a hyper perfectionist father that I could never paint straight. And then my mom with massive expectations. So I grew up like kind of paralyzed in things. And then I just found because of my belief systems, my principles and values, I saw people hurting. And if I didn't do something, then they might be hurting as bad as I was. And I've seen people commit suicide, you know, as a firefighter, medic, and such like that. And I know that us guys, we struggle and we don't say anything. And then one day we just pop off and blow our brains out, jump off a bridge or whatever. So my purpose was greater than my fear. And when I released the book, like I self-published it, like I have a show for men called Uncensored Advice for Men. And the guys who would like hit me back up, they would call in and they would be like, my wife just left me or this or that, or I'm struggling with my identity. I'm struggling with finding my purpose. I've got a shit ton of money, but I'm unhappy and I'm losing my marriage. So I wrote this book and I was trying to make it perfect. And I was like, I don't want to drop 15 grand on this because I just know that I needed to write it. At the time, I, I didn't want to get a ghostwriter. I was just like, I just need to get this out of me. And then there was an urgency. And it was just like, you got to get this out now. And I was like, it's not ready. There's errors. It hasn't been proofread it's terrible. Like in my mind, I was like, it's terrible. It doesn't have a, like I'm rambling now. I was like, that's what the book was. And I just felt like I got to get this out now. And when I hit publish on Amazon, it said, are you sure we found 33 grammar errors? And I go, I was biting my nail, you know, like my thumb going like this sucks, publish. And I know there's errors. For some reason, people think that they need to do this. They'll take a screenshot of like your book or your page and they'll circle your errors. And I go, yeah, thank you. I'm very aware. Like, thank you. Draft two might be better, but like, yeah, dude, like we want to show up and look great, but there's a dude out there who doesn't give a shit about the spelling errors. He's struggling and there might be one gold nugget in that book that saves his life. What's more important? My fear of being awesome in everybody's perception. You know, I've got 20,000 followers on LinkedIn or whatever. Nobody in that audience has ever like reached out and be like, Hey, Josh, you're awesome. Let me pay your light bill. (laughs) You know, like, and I'm so like trying to make them happy, but there's that one dude who's hurting and that book might help them. So I got to get over my shit. You do. You do. I mean, you are, but I'm saying in general, you do. We all need to get over it. Right. Yeah. Well, great chair. I'm glad I asked that question. Did you get any feedback from anyone who read the book? Other than the fools who were trying to be your English teacher, <laughs> yeah, uh, that it impacted them. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there. Here's what's easy critiquing what other people do. That's awesome. It's easy, it's fun, and you could look like a champion and it makes you feel better about yourself. That's what bullies do. That's what I did. I'm five foot eight. You know, I wrestled in high school, so I thought I was tough. And what I did is I can make other people feel less of themselves and mm-hmm. it made me feel better about myself. So people do that. I don't want to do that, right? I want to lift people up. On the flip side, yes, there's guys who will reach it, you know, reach out and they go, that one nugget, like that one thing, that's what I needed to hear today. 
and that was worth it, man. Like 99 cent book or whatever, you know, like I'm not going to get rich on it. Like I think I made like six bucks or something, you know, like nothing great. But a lot of times like I'm working with a dude and I'm like, he needs help. And I'm like, Hey man, why don't you just check out the book? Like I'll give you a dollar, go read the book and then let's chat. We know how we fit on the same page or not. I love it. The Christian dude manifesto. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Go get it. Go get it, people. I mean, it's 99 cents. Get them to $7. All right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I have an editor right now going through the book and cleaning it up. We haven't produced the second volume, but I'm finding more and more my joy in helping guys. Mm-hmm. And I also do real estate and investing and business stuff on the side. But like my main gig is to, I say, like my charter of living is to build kings, to build men. Build kings. I love it. Okay. All right. So I've got a couple more questions for you, Josh. This has been tremendous. But before we get to that, I just want to let the audience know where they can find you. Okay. Yeah. LinkedIn, Joshua Bruce Wilson. Do a LinkedIn. I have a few companies, PR Ventures. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best. That's like my CRM, my life CRM. So I connect with people and a lot of people are just trying to sell me stuff all day. I know it's an automated message that it says, hi, first name, you know, like in parentheses and then goes into it. But like LinkedIn's a good place. Uh, my cell phone is 352-274-4500. So like if you're a dude out there and you're trying to find your way or something, you text me, I could connect you with one of our coaches or something. But LinkedIn is probably the best. Awesome. Okay. You know all the podcasts, but which are the ones that are active right now? Yeah. I want to direct the listeners to your shows. Yeah. Thank you. So I have a show called CRE Principles. It's a show about commercial real estate. Nice. I have a show called The Deal Scout, which allows me to be a little ADD and just look at all different types of deals. Mm-hmm. Right? And I bring on deal makers and we talk about all sorts of stuff from investing, venture capital, politicians. Like We've interviewed all sorts of deal makers and that's a fun show for me because I could let my ADD run wild. And then I have my favorite show, which is called Uncensored Advice for Men. And that's the show where I've interviewed pastors, porn stars, kind of everyone in between, kind of going, what advice do us men need to hear? I want to hear your story, your testimony, and give me some advice because we need it. That's definitely something you got to check out. The Deal Scout is how we met. I was on that show and we were talking, doing some cold calling stuff. So that was almost a year ago. I love that one. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about you this morning. We have a real estate investor and I'm like, you need to check out Brian. Like He's a cold calling master. Yeah. I remember that from our conversation a year ago. Shameless plug by the host, (laughs) Brian O'Neill. All right, Josh, there's men out there listening, right? They're stuck. We talked about this a little bit offline. They're in this stuck position, right? Yeah. Maybe they're not on the ledge, if you will, but they're just in this spot in their life where they don't know. They haven't gotten to the tattoo moment yet. Yeah. What advice would you lend as maybe a first step or two just to help them move in the right direction? Sure. Let's apply it to, you're the W2 prison break free, right? Like that's your jam. So let's apply it to that kind of thing. So you're in a corporate job, you're working for the government, you're working for the family business or whatever, and you're looking at your life every day in 8 a.m., 8 o'clock on Monday or whatever, like you want to blow your brains out because the idea of showing up at work again drives you mad. But you got a mortgage, you got health insurance, you got all that shit that you're worrying about. What the world needs is men that are fully alive. We don't need another 
pocket protecting CPA who just keeps showing up and, you know, because that's what dad did or grandpa did or whatever. What this world needs is men who are fully alive, who have found their passion, who have found their identity. Their wives want that from them. Their kids want that from them. Like we don't need another time clock cruncher. If you don't like being there, your boss doesn't want you there. <laughs> right? So figure that shit out. Like find the path, find the way. You're not too old to start. Kentucky Fried Chicken guy was like in his 60s or 70s. Like there's so many stories. You could start small. You could invest in real estate. Your group talks about it all the time. You know, you could do self-directed IRAs. You could do, you know, wholesale. You could pick up the phone on Saturdays, call people and flip homes. You know, like your group's expert at that kind of stuff. Figure that out. Find your way. Find your path. Become fully alive, man. That's what you want. And that's what the world needs from you. I just stood up on a soapbox for a second. That was fun. Man, that one, <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Seriously, that was. I wrote that down and started. And the world needs men who are fully alive. So yeah. great stuff. Awesome share. I was not expecting that. Josh, you're the man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing your insight and your vulnerability. That's the most important thing because people need to hear what you went through and, and what you still go through sometimes. So I'm yeah. just super grateful. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Hey, listen, everyone, make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to busting you out.